Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. I want to, before I invite our guests up this morning to do an interview with them, I just want to take a minute, first and foremost, and share a few thoughts with you about how important our yes to God is. You know, if you've been a Christian very long, uh, you have heard a message or many messages about what we call the Great Commission. How many of you know what the Great Commission is? Okay, most of you do. The Great Commission is a section of Scripture where God really shows us what our life mission is as believers. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've you know, put trust in Him as Savior and Lord, um, you have, without maybe even knowing it, you've been commissioned. Jesus Christ has commissioned you. And to commission someone is to send them with authority, to send them with backing. And, and so we see this text of Scripture I'm about to show you in a minute. We see in this text of Scripture Jesus gathering his disciples around them and sending them out into their world, sending them out into wherever they're going and whatever they're doing with his authority to be his representatives. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, a little bit of background, Jesus had lived his life on earth He had for about three to three and a half years done public ministry. He'd gathered around a number of disciples or learners, students, apprentices. He'd gathered them around and he taught them his way. He'd modeled to them the ways of God's kingdom. He'd showed them God's heart. And and after doing this and healing the sick and raising the dead and walking on water and multiplying loaves and fishes so that he could feed thousands, after doing all these miraculous things and speaking with, um, with a poignancy and a profoundness that no human being has ever spoken with, but also a simplicity, something that everybody could understand. The greatest teacher, the greatest preacher, the greatest prophet, the greatest apostle. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the whole package. He's everything. After he did all that, we paid him back by crucifying him. And we didn't realize that that crucifixion was actually the thing that would atone for our sins. And so Jesus was crucified for us in our place. He took our sin upon himself. He died in our place. He took our judgment, the judgment that we deserved. He was buried in our place, and we were buried with him. And then he did something that nobody had ever done. He rose again from the dead, right? Other people have come back to life, and then they just died later. But Jesus rose from death and stayed alive. And then after he rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples over 40 days, And over that 40-day period of time, he preached to them. He taught them. He told them about this mission that they would have. And at the end of that time of appearing to his disciples, he gathered all of them together. He took them up to a mountaintop, and he gave them his final instructions. And then he did what we call ascended. He ascended into heaven right in front of them. He ascended back to the Father, and he sat down. The Scripture says he sat down at the right hand of God until he makes all of his enemies his footstool. So that, that idea of sitting down is the idea that the king sat down in his throne in a place in a position of rest and all authority. And he's put his feet up and he's making all of creation ultimately his footstool. And every enemy will be submitted to Jesus in the end. Okay, so that's what he did. He ascended. And, and, and but before he ascended, he said something. He gathered his disciples around and in Matthew 28, 19, he said this. He said, go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Later he goes and teaching them 
to obey or observe everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age, right? So he gives them this command. He tells them to baptize, to teach, to make disciples. And uh, what, what he meant by that was, you know, make, make learners, make apprentices. Go show people what I've taught you. Model it to them, live it before them, and get them to do it. And, uh, and then he sent them out. That's the Great Commission. And this was not just for them. Every theologian, every scholar who has looked at this text of Scripture for 2,000 years has come to the conclusion that Jesus was talking to anybody and everybody because he reiterates it on multiple occasions. He's talking to anybody and everybody who would ever follow him. And I don't just mean missionaries and I don't mean pastors and leaders. I mean everybody who is called by the name of Jesus is called to go and make disciples. Every one of us in this room, you might not realize it, you're a missionary. You're a missionary to your neighborhood, you're a missionary to your workplace, you're a missionary to your school. Wherever you go, you're a missionary, you're a sent one, you're commissioned by God to be his hands and his feet and his voice and to show forth his character and his nature and to preach his good news. Am I talking to anybody? Right? And so he, he did that. And then we see this beautiful call in the Old Testament where the prophet Isaiah, you know, Isaiah lived in a very tumultuous time. He, he lived in a time where he saw his own people. In his own nation, departing from God, worshiping false gods. They were unjust to the poor. There was, uh, many, in many ways, very similar to our own culture. There were so many things going on immorally in the culture. There was injustice happening. There was evil happening all around them. There was oppression happening. There was violence happening. Even the sacrifice of children happening. All these things were taking place in their culture. And Isaiah was lamenting this, and he was prophesying to his nation. He was speaking to his nation, and he was telling them to repent, and he was telling them to turn from their evil. And right in the middle of that, he had an encounter with God. And in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, it says he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when he saw him, he was dumbstruck. In fact, his words, the words that came out of his mouth were, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And so he recognized, look, it's not just them out there that have the problem. It's right here. And the scripture says an angel came and brought a coal from the altar and touched his lips and then told him to go and prophesy. And he, and he, he got to be a part of something really profound in that moment. Isaiah was, was let in on a conversation happening within the Godhead, within, with, with God. <laughs> and God said, Who's going to go for us? And you can see this in the eighth verse of chapter six. It says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And so Isaiah was deeply moved by the evil and the darkness that he saw in the time that he lived, but he, he wasn't ready. It took a touch from God and it took him hearing the call. Who's going to go for me? And, you know, from these two texts, I, I came to a few conclusions. Uh, Jesus sends all of us into our world to make disciples. He sends some of us to other lands and other places to make disciples. He sends people like you and like me to be the answer to the evil and the pain of the time that we live in. So you, you may not realize it. You might find yourself in a work situation. You might be on a job right now where you are around a lot of darkness, and you think the plan of God for your life is to get you out of there. So you might escape it because it's uncomfortable, and it's dark, and you don't like it, 
There's people talking certain ways and acting certain ways, and you're like, Lord, let me get out of here so I can work around nice people that are Christians and only say nice things and nobody cusses and nobody, you know, you, you, you feel that way. And you don't realize that you have been placed in that place to be light and to show forth the love of God and to, to make a difference just by your actions and the way you live. Am I talking to anybody? Right? And so God sends us. You know, we're always like, Lord, make the world a better place, right? Lord, bring a revival to our nation. Lord, raise up a, a standard. Lord, show light in the darkness. And then God's like, You're it. You are light in the darkness. You are the standard. I'm sending you. You know, and that's, that's basically what happened with Isaiah. He was lamenting the evil of his culture and his society. And God said, Guess what, buddy? You're going to go. Lastly, Jesus is looking for all of us to say, here I am, send me. Our yes is powerful. Have you ever thought about that? Every church that started, every endeavor where lives are changed and touched usually began with somebody who responded to God with a yes. I'll do it, Lord. I'll do. Usually those people were undone, messed up by the goodness of God, right? Usually there are people that have gone through brokenness, who walk with a bit of a limp, who have gone through some difficult stuff in life, and God comes and taps them on their shoulder right when they feel the most inadequate, right when they feel the least qualified they've ever been in their life. That's when God touches them and says, I'm sending you. And so he wants to do that with all of us. And one of the beautiful things about the couple that I'm going to have come up here in a little bit is, you know, they were, like all of us, just average, normal, everyday people who were going about their life kind of minding their own business, and God wrecked them with a call. And in their case, he said, I want you to go all the way to the other side of the earth, and I want you to work with people. And um, they said yes, and their yes has brought an incredible impact to the nation of Zimbabwe, children, youth, adults, across all generations have been deeply impacted by the good news and the way they've modeled the kingdom of God. And uh, I, I just want to honor Dan and Yvonne, and I, I want to tell you, you're in for a treat today. So before they come, I, I want to tell you a little bit about them. Um, Peggy and I have known Dan and Yvonne Harding since the early 90s. We came into this organization called Ministers Fellowship International about the same time. And uh, they pastored a church in Tri-Cities. They had been missionaries in Zimbabwe in the 80s, and they came home, and they began to pastor a church in Tri-Cities, and there came a point in that journey where they felt like they were to step down from pastoring and go back to the nation of Zimbabwe. And they've been back in Zimbabwe now since 2001. In fact, you said in two days, it'll be 20 years, right? In two days, it'll be 20 years since they went back to Zimbabwe. Um, they've prepared a little video that they want to show you. It's about four minutes long that just gives a quick overview of some of the things that they do. And so, while we run that video, I'm going to ask Dan and Yvonne to come. And, and before we start to run that video, as they come up here to sit down, will you just put your hands together and give them a Grace Harvest Church welcome? Come on. Come on, Dan and Yvonne.
by the way, you have not lived until you have experienced African worship. I'm serious. It'll change your life. It'll rock your world. And they would make us look like wimps, I'll tell you what, because they can worship for hours. It's pretty incredible. Um, so this morning, as we share with you, by the way, would any of you ever like to go with us when we go? Come on. Okay. Yeah, we, we need people to go. Okay. It's pretty incredible. It's a great experience. Your life will be really impacted. So Dan and Yvonne, hello. So I want to start by uh, asking you, how long have the two of you been married? Dan? 44 years uh, plus. Okay. Good for you. Good job, man. You can still add. You can still, you got, you know, a little math, basic math. When we've talked about what would happen if one of us happened to one of us, and I said it would be pretty tough on me because I'd find it, find it very difficult to find someone else that would put up with me like she has for 44 years. <laughs> Yeah, how many of the men in this room can say amen to that? Come on. That's good preaching right there. Okay. Yvonne, how many children do you have and how many grandchildren do you have? We have five um, all over the world. Um, one daughter in South Africa and some are in California and some in Texas. And the grandchildren, there's five and one on the way. So. All right. Come on. Woo! And um, What she didn't tell us, though, the girls at the... At the school, call her Mon, M-O-N, Mother of Nations. Those are numbers that we don't, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so having been to Zim and, and had the opportunity to observe their work and what they do, you'd be amazed the number of people who actually look to them just like they're, they, they are their parents. And they've had people live with them in their home over the year on multiple years on multiple occasions. And they have many, many people who call them mom and dad who consider them to be their, their spiritual parents. Um, you know, as you all well know, this uh, last year and a half, we have all been walking through this weird thing called COVID-19 and uh, all of its impacts on our personal lives and the world and travel and everything. It's just been really weird. And we, we would kind of like to know, what does that look like for you in Zimbabwe and how has it uh, impacted your family personally? Well, initially, when they locked us down at the end of March of 2020, um, there, were no, uh, there, there were no public gatherings. The business hours were cut back to, I think, 9 to 3, I think, or 9 to 1. And the only shops that were open were grocery stores and, and pharmacies. And, of course, on the way to medical, you even had to have a, a letter. If you were out moving, even the pastor, you had to carry a letter saying how and why from your organization. So... Um, we eventually, after some weeks of that, they started easing just a little bit. We weren't able to gather well as a church uh, for a long time. But I kind of jokingly say, and we, when we finally decided that we would start uh, meeting with people, obviously we couldn't get in our, into the buildings, but we could, uh, we'd been known to invite people over for coffee on Sunday morning and, uh, and, uh, and a few other things too. But, you know, people were so, uh, so hungry to be together after being apart for probably more than a month that the first time we gathered at our place, we had about, I think, around nine or ten people from various assemblies in our area, or from around the number of the area. 
And uh, people, the meeting went from about 9 to 11, then people stayed till 1.30 in the afternoon drinking coffee and tea and just, just being together because we really separated a lot. That was quite a challenge, you know. We, we take it for granted that you can just, when we've been able to gather any time and then all of a sudden COVID hits and that, it's been off and on for, um, for well, ever since. And we kind of, you know, going into it, thinking about it, we thought, well, you know, a few months, it'll be like flu and other things that come and go, but uh, it still hasn't gone. And so one of the things that we really felt the Lord challenged us from the very beginning was the battle is not against COVID. The battle is against fear. That's the spirit that, that, that enables that thing to continue. Uh, you get some places, guys are totally relaxed. And they say, hey, pull your mask up. You know, and guys just get in your face. Um, and so the battle against fear, we felt like... Um, God really spoke to us and said he was going to have the final word when, it, when we get through it. And there was also a reset, that he was resetting, that, that he was resetting some things in us individually and as a group of people. And we were talking a bit yesterday with some friends here, and one of the things that uh, the American church, um, uh, the African church has lived in a way where if they need money for, for school fees or groceries or whatever, they got to believe God. See, we've depended on our bank accounts. We've depended on our retirement funds. We retired all these things to put into place. In the, in the 20 years we've been here, the, the money has gone from whatever level to zero twice. One time we had the, the, the runaway inflation. We had like, I think we had a, a, three, a quarter of a million dollars in the bank, imagine. And then they took 10 zeros off, and then I was in minus. I owed the bank money. So... <laughs> So we've learned, like kind of Paul said, how to, whether to be prospering or to be content when we're struggling. So that's really a challenge. To, I think the, our, the African people have taught us a lot about that. And they don't have all the medical things they can just run to and, and run to their backup and, and credit cards, all these different systems in place. They have to trust God. And I think that's something I can say even now to the American church that, that we are, we're moving from a lot of head knowledge about Jehovah Jireh and God being our supplier to real life stuff of God being our supplier. So those are some of the things that up, even up to now, uh, there's still some restrictions on the church. There's a big argument over to vax or not vax. About six weeks ago, they said everyone, you can go to church again, but everyone going to church has to be vaccinated. And of course that knocks out kids. And what happened in that thing is one week we had church and, and um, in fact, they closed it. Then um, some lawyers challenged that, that because it came from the presidential office of Acts. And then, they, um, then they, the lawyers got up in high court that we could, we could go ahead and meet. Now, they literally went, police went to some of the larger churches in our city. Even one pastor was arrested because he went in and had church ignoring the, the rules. So, I mean, it's, we've, we've kind of seen a lot of stuff. And personally, Yvonne and I had COVID from December uh, and January. And in July, uh, we lost our son-in-law in South Africa to COVID pneumonia. So we haven't escaped it. We've been through it. And, uh, and yet, uh, thank God, we're, we're healthy and strong. We, live, we got through it with no real major things. But it has been, it's been no different there than here. And, uh, and different in the fact that we don't have all the medical things here. So anyway. You want to comment a little bit more on that, Yvonne? Anything? 
Um, I think he covered most of it. It just, I think none of us expect or expected <laughs> this whole thing to happen. And um, we really, really miss our son-in-law, I have to say. He were in contact with him a couple times a week. And um, we were blessed, though, to be able to bring our grandchildren home for a bit and give our daughter some time to reestablish herself. Um, but we thank God for his faithfulness. He's been faithful to us, and he continues to be faithful. And we just we give him the glory for that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The travel part is just incredible. I mean, now we can't leave Zimbabwe without going for these PCR tests. Mm -hmm. like we travel from Zimbabwe to South Africa, and that test has to be less than 72 hours. Yeah. Then to leave Zimbabwe, we have to leave South Africa to come this way, another PCR test. Now when we leave the U.S., in January, another PCR test. We get to South Africa to Zimbabwe, another PCR. And I'm a little tired of having stuff stuck up my nose and on my throat, honestly. And and it hits in the wallet. We figured in this time when our son-in-law passed, we were back and forth between South Africa and Zimbabwe. We spent $500 out of pocket on COVID tests. So it's changed a lot of stuff, hey? So, you know, we've been in the middle of doing a series here at our church called Ears to Hear, and it's on hearing the voice of God. And I was thinking it would be really cool to hear from the two of you on how you felt God spoke to you and confirmed to you that you were called to do missions work in Zimbabwe back when you returned in 2001. What were, what were some of the things that God said or did? How did he show you that it was his will to go to Zimbabwe? Well, I would say one thing that just to say right up front, I wrote a couple of notes here. I, I threatened Doug with a set of notes to preach, but he said, put it away. So um, <laughs> that's right. Anyway, one thing I, say, I can say, God uses ordinary people right. to do extraordinary things because he's an extraordinary God. That's right. and, uh, it's, and he looks for people that have a heart toward him. And, and the things that, we, uh, that, that we're short, he makes up for when he calls us. He, and it calls and he enables us. But I also understand that being an older person, I just realized today I was thinking about this. My first sermon I preached 50 years ago. And I've learned a couple things about the processes of God. And one thing I just want to say, I felt this by the Spirit. Some of you feel like you're in a dead-end spot. You're just marking some time. And let me tell you, that time, you'll look back and see you are not just marking time. God was doing something inside. We had a period of time of two years before we went back to Zimbabwe. That It's like I felt like God had lost all of our contact details, our cell numbers, our home cell, our home phone, all that stuff. And, and God was beginning to work. But one thing through that, I remember having a conversation with you saying, we're in a place of challenge, and it's a process of God. And I'm, I'm, you know, on the football field, the toughest place is the last two or three yards to cross the goal line. And uh, I said, I'm not quitting because somehow I feel like the breakthrough is coming. But that was before God called us. But we maintained and our walk with God and walk with our local church and our friends throughout that, that process time. And, and um, every process God takes us through, it's for the next level. It's for the next step. And if, if you don't make it here cycle back in and he's he, god's great to take us back around again to do that but in my routine reading early in 2001 uh, we had been preparing to take a team back to zimbabwe to just to encourage the church and see some old friends and things and uh one morning i was reading in genesis 12 it said the lord said to abram get out of your country 
from your family and from your father's house to a land I'll show you. And we weren't totally settled in Zimbabwe yet because we're looking at South Africa and Botswana and so on. But we were living in Yvonne's father's house. <laughs> All my family is from Tri-Cities. I was born in Richland. And, and so it was a real thing. Go back and like the Holy Spirit, go back and read that again. Well, we just, I noted, noted that in my Bible, the date, but it didn't make sense for some while. Then all of a sudden, the process brought us to a place that we, in the going to, uh, with the team, that it was preparation. It was really a, a, a forerunner team, a spy out the land team. And I think Yvonne has some stuff she can add to that. When we went on that trip, um, I remember I was crossing a street in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe, and I saw like a vision, it was almost like an open vision of a, of a glove and a hand going into the glove, and that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is where you fit, this is how you will fit into this place. And that gave me such faith, because as a mom of five children, and one was going to have to remain in college and bring four with us, some who are already teenagers, uprooting them out of their comfort zone and taking them to a foreign land um, was really challenging uh, to me as a mother. And so during that time, we asked the Lord uh, to confirm to us really on a daily basis. I'd say, Lord, show me something, whether it's a person that I just happened to bump into and they say a word that reminds me that this is from you, that this is you doing this. And somewhere in our storage unit, we have a diary <laughs> where we recorded daily how God would do that. And it would be, it could even be through a movie. Suddenly a line would just stick out um, or a word someone would, would give us. I remember during that time, someone came and talked to us about Abraham and how he got out of his, I, I remember that one. And I was like, wow, God is so faithful to prepare our hearts for those things that he wants to take us into. And he'll show us because he's a good father. One of the things I just want to say in that, we had no prophetic words, no specific thing like that I could say that a prophet comes and says, that thou say the Lord, thou shalt go to Africa. We had to walk out from, like it would have been nice, it would have been a lot easier in some ways. But let me tell you, if you get a growing sense to do something, you, I said even when we took the pastoring thing in Richland, no one could have prophesied into us into what we went into. And, and it was just, that was the thing that held us. It came out of your day-to-day -day walk. And yeah, there were some confirmations that came later, but it was a sense of knowing just in our hearts. And in fact, we were talking in this in the first service. God gave us a, a word, a written word. There was the Holy Spirit working in us. And then the leaders around us began to confirm that this is a God deal. Go for it. So, yeah. Yeah, and then Yvonne had that, that kind of that vision. I mean, you had you had more than two or three witnesses yeah. that confirmed it over and over again. And that's a great yeah. principle. Um, some ancient Christians call it the three lights or the three witnesses, the idea that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And things like scripture and the inner witness and you know visions or dreams, a confirmation from wise counselors, people in our life. When we begin to put those things together, circumstances start to align. We, we begin to see God's guidance in our life and his direction. Um, so I know that over the years you've done a whole lot of different things in Zimbabwe. I mean, I think in the years that I've known you, I can think of about probably 10 different projects or assignments that you've had, but currently you're really focusing your attention on three main areas of ministry. 
um, that you're engaged in. Uh, I would like you to share those with us, and I'd actually like Yvonne to start. So Yvonne, will you share with us the three areas of ministry? Uh, we've been so blessed, I think, as missionaries there. We are not, I don't know what the normal missionary is. I, I'm not really sure. Um, I think it's, you're normal if you're called of God and he tells you to go do something. And it can just be, <laughs> yeah, so back before we were even married or in our early married years and we were still part of a local church in the Tri-Cities, uh, we were involved with single moms and their kids. It just there was a drawing and a heart call to that to support them with their children and and it just it it just happened automatically. I don't know. And then also children's ministry. We were a lot in the nursery and in children's ministry and in youth. And um, I think there's just such a hunger and desire to impact the different generations and and to just be a blessing. And so when we went to Zimbabwe, there were single moms that would just come up to us. I remember one in particular, she was actually in one of the pictures, her name is Rebecca. Um, she and the two girls were hugging one another. If you saw, that was, that was Rebecca on the one side. And she would come to our car door when we would show up on Sunday mornings and, and, and greet us. And she had two little boys. And they were always dressed in the same clothes. She had very little, very kind of down. And um, I wouldn't say impoverished, but just it was a tough life for her. And the Lord began to lay these different ones on our hearts. And so we would get, uh, we finally, someone came and said, can't you start a ministry for single moms? And we really held back because we didn't want to start something and then drop it. It had to be something that would be ongoing that was God's heart for them. And so I could talk on and on about this. You know that. So yeah, Real quick, dangerous. though, um, can you give us a little bit of context as to why a number of these moms or single moms, what was going on in Southern Africa specifically at that time that led to a lot of single parents, single moms in yeah. particular? Um, um, culturally, culturally um, single mothers in Africa are used goods. And they're the bottom of the the bottom of the rung ladder, and um, and it's one of the things that God challenges us to do with the mothers was to begin to say give them even like we were singing about this morning who I am in Christ, and, and that I'm that you're of value. It's uh, you're that you're no less value because you're a single mother. And usually, what happens you've got men that are unscrupulous that make a lot of promises and things to the ladies, and then when the when the when uh, the lady says, I'm pregnant, says, you see a dust trail and a rocket launch and disappear. And uh, so we in encountered that. So it, on the ministry, uh, the ministry to single mothers, which actually the Smile Village ministry came out of that. At the school, we started in 2009. Now, the testimony of the school is because of the system, because many schools were closed, we set our school up to do homeschool. And we've carried on through the bulk of the, all the downtime. When schools were closed, we worked a system that we could continue with that. And today, we have more students in our school that they're back to face-to-face -face learning again. But we have more kids in our school than we've had in about five years. And with more coming. And so God has really blessed that. And our staff basically runs it. We just kind of come up and hug everybody and say hallelujah. And they're just running the show. So that's great. And the single moms thing is kind of taking a bit of a twist, but we are at the village now uh, with the church. We're in a building project. That's your third one. That's, that school one is almost, almost the baton has almost been handed. 
and um, the said the market garden that we're working to the whole idea of the market garden was to have a place where women could come and work safely uh, and without being worried about losing because inflation was just crazy I still don't understand it but you'd find out your your pay now was less than rent was last month and so it was just it was a problem so we had a burden to this so we've got housing there and we've got work where they've they're developing a market garden we're selling those veggies you saw in some of the local markets and that was, that's one we're really trusting God to help us really win where it becomes a, a fully profitable uh, not get rich but profitable where you consistently operate in the black that's been a real challenge and that's a prayer issue we just pray with us that God will help us see this thing through uh, we've really turned it over to a group of guys and said just it's your village it's not Danny Von Harding's village garden it's yours and I'm 68 so someday I won't be coming and say yes and then the church two years ago we the the pastor can ask us and the leadership asked us to go take over one of the branch churches in the that we've got a mother church of Victory Fellowship uh, in the city center but we've got five satellite branches around in different suburbs around the city. And we've got 50 branches in various parts in the rural areas, uh, rural and rural Zimbabwe. So God has really used the church there to impact that. But they, we were given a church to take and, and establish it, uh, stabilize it, and raise leaders. And uh, we left it in the hands of two elder couples and, and some deacons and said, if you need something, let us know. This is you know our address, but we're not going to run it from the U.S. and we're not going to do micromanagement from far away. They've insisted that I preach and send my recorded preaching once a month, <laughs> so that, that, that's okay. And a devotional thing that we do, but that's the other. This building project, a testimony has happened just in the last three weeks. Um, we started Smile Village in 2007 with no money. Real quick, Smile Village is a village that they that they started um, that yeah. is fenced in and enclosed in for the single mothers. Tell us what Smile stands for. Single mothers included, loved, and empowered. A lot of our initial group of single mothers now are in gainful employment. Some are working on staff with us at the school, and it's just been amazing. But we started with nothing, and I would say in the last 14 years, there's been about a a half a million dollars has come in from all kinds of places to build that village. Housing for eight families. We've got two really strong wells, solar-powered uh, pumps, to, to, so there's no water shortage, which is big in Africa, especially where we live. You can't always depend on rain and things to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, But we also envision that the, the building you saw there, we put the slab in some time back, and we just had to trust God. In the beginning of this year, the Lord told us to take what money you have and start building. Hmm. And you saw the toilet facility. We got ablution block. Doug told me that's not a, an American term. An ablution block is a toilet and facility, the toilets, bathrooms for the, for the church. That's, what that's, that's how far we've gone. But, about, but we were like, we're still needing like $90,000, $100,000. Three weeks ago, I had a, we got a... a uh, Facebook Messenger message from friends in Tri-City that says, our church is recently closed. It's a small church. And we're distributing assets. We have some money for you. So we called and talked to them. We hadn't seen these guys in a long time. And we said, we, we have a check that we've sent to Grace Harvest for 
Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God for that. Come Amen. On. We find a couple of more $35,000 deals and we'll, we'll have the building done, but we're going to be able to roof that building and put in all the steel structure and put, a, and put a roof on the whole building with that money so at least we get out of the sun and the rain this year. So we're moving forward. We have an expression in, in Zimbabwe that's over the boulevard. It says, Sia Pambili. We're going forward. And that's wow. this really what's been happening with Amen. those those school and with the, the village uh, garden and the church that's it's located at Smile Village. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Last question for you. Um, how, what, what's the best way we can support you in prayer and just in su- support in general uh, as you're in Zim right now and what you're walking through? What's the best way we can pray for you? Listen carefully. How many of you believe that God hears us when we pray, right? Amen. They need a lot of prayer support, and they walk through a lot of stuff. So let's, let's hear what they have to say about prayer. Um, yeah, if you could just keep us in prayer that during this season that we, we finish well. Um, we, we don't see ourselves leaving anytime soon, uh, the nation of Zimbabwe. But as we grow older, we all know there's a season and a time when things need to totally be turned over to the local people. So we want to finish well so that we train up those people that are taking over the church that, um, as my husband already said, the school is already very well turned over and the ladies and gentlemen are, are running it well. Um, but each, each area just requires expertise, so we'd really appreciate prayer for that, that we would have wisdom to know how and when <laughs> and what, that kind of thing. And just for protection and ongoing um, help with that, if the Lord puts it on your heart at any time you think about us, just lift a prayer to the Lord. It, Paul said, I make mention of you in my prayers. It doesn't have to be a big, long thing, but just, Lord, you know what's going on um, in their lives and, and just cover us that way. Um, always, finances is always an issue. That's part of support for missionaries, so we always appreciate that. And we know that several people here are involved in that, and this church is amazing how we are supported, and we're thankful for that. Um, I think that's mainly, you know... Yeah, I mean, the ongoing monthly support is really a big help. I know Grace Harvest as a church uh, has committed finance monthly, and there's individuals within the church and other churches that help us. That's the only way we can carry out vision. It's a partnership. And the guys that stayed home with the stuff get the same reward as the guys that went to war. And so we just we look at it. We need that kind of th- ongoing thing. There's some possibilities for involvement with with the school. And obviously, we need to raise about another 80000 to this, to finish this building. And uh, so we're pretty excited to see. I mean, when you start with zero and see where we've come in those years, sure. I mean, God is very faithful. Amen. You know, uh, the one thought I, I just I shared with the, the first service this morning, I preached a message back in February about what's the new normal. Let me tell you something. God is still normal. God still loves people. He's still saving people. He's providing for his people. Uh, We've seen that over and over on ourselves. Imagine this last year we've been able to turn over this, uh, all the ministries so we can make a trip like this peacefully. Our, our, Our trip expenses, apart from our, you know, our week by week things, we've paid for the tickets for the first time Ever, we're not having to find money to pay to, uh, tickets to make sure we get home again. <laughs> I mean, and we paid off a, a 25-year debt 
in the middle of all of this COVID thing. So guys, God is at work. He's not limited by COVID. He's not limited by the restrictions. Yeah, it's changed how we do a lot of stuff, but he's not finished. It's like, it's time, like the old, the old Marine thing. Have any, any Marines here? I wasn't a Marine, but they said, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And this is the time for the church to arise to the challenge and opportunities that are before us. And God is going to open the door. We just got to see things in new ways and, and get creative ideas to do stuff in a different way than we've ever done it before. Amen. Amen, huh? <laughs> Can you say thank you to Dan and Yvonne? Thank you guys so much for great stuff. It's such a privilege to be a part of what you're doing. And I have uh, been to Zimbabwe many times, and uh, my wife as well. We've been and we've taken some people from our congregation here as well. And I I just want to tell you that um, they're the real deal. They're doing the real stuff. Their home is like a landing center for so many lives. They're, they're a place of refuge. They're a place for um, especially younger people to come out of the storm. You don't know anything about Zimbabwe. If you don't, um, you wouldn't know that Zimbabwe has been just literally almost completely destroyed in the last 25 years through hyperinflation, the collapse of the government, corrupt leadership. And uh, when you go to that nation, you see a place that was once beautiful and thriving uh, that's really kind of broken down. Infrastructure's broken down, and a lot of things have become very, very difficult. It's hard to survive day to day. And yet, they're surviving, and the people they work with and lead are surviving. And it's amazing. The church they're a part of is still planting churches, and they're starting new ministries. They're right in the middle of all this, they're not letting anything keep them from moving forward in God's plan. So, you know, as I uh, was thinking about how to close this today, I want to remind all of you that are here that, you know, you may not be called to go to Africa, but where you live right now, where you work right now, where you go to school right now, the people that you interact with, um, that's your mission field. And every church and every ministry, every missions work, is evidence that somebody said, here am I, send me. That somebody said yes to God. And one person's yes can change the world. I was just reflecting on the fact that, you know, many years ago, Peggy and I said yes to coming to Moses Lake. And we thought it was a two-year assignment. I came here thinking that God would have us here for a couple years, and then we move on to bigger and better things. And here we are. We're still here. And, uh, you know, Each of us in this room exists to be the physical representation of the life of Jesus on earth. And Jesus is made real through people like you and me who say yes to him every day. We have to to really remember that, right? We're not, we don't buy into the philosophy that we'll let the experts and the professionals do it. But every one of us are ministers and missionaries. And we are the representation of Jesus Christ to the world around us. A lot of people need Jesus. Well, everybody needs Jesus, amen? How many of you really believe that? Right, I mean, I got into this because he wrecked me and blew me away. And I've never been the same because Jesus Christ made himself real, right? And then lastly, I, I so appreciate that there are people in the body of Christ who have gone before us. They've gone before us. They've been doing this longer. 
They've been in this gig longer than most of us, and they've, they've seen God's faithfulness through it all. And I, I, I just feel in debt to you guys. I feel in debt to you, and I feel in debt to others that have walked with God longer than me and have shown us the way. If you're here today and you're discouraged or you're struggling in your walk with Christ, maybe you're fairly young in your faith and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I don't know how to move forward. Go talk to somebody who's been doing it longer than you, right? Get up close to them. Let them speak wisdom and life into you. Let them speak counsel into you. Let them tell their story. Have you ever thought about sitting down with somebody who's walked with God for a long time and just saying, tell me your story. Tell me what it's like to trust when it's hard to trust. What about when it gets really hard? What about when you can't pay your bills? What about when your marriage is struggling? Right? Let them speak life into you and encourage you. Why don't you stand with me? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you and give you peace. The Lord be with you. God loves you. Go with God. He goes with you. God bless you all.